0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: You're listening to Football Full Circle with Scott Wetzel and Ben Stevens. We are live right here on football full circle it's the sports grid radio network and Sirius XM channel 159 he is Scott Wetzel I am Ben Stevens and Scott all good things must eventually come to an end and that was the case for the Baltimore Ravens preseason win streak last night to round out week two of this preseason here in 2023 on the road in Landover against the Washington Commanders the already historic record mark in the National football league 24 consecutive preseason victories scott ends last night at 24 as the commanders in a 49 yard game winning field goal off the right foot of joey sly with nine ticks remaining in regulation gives washington a 29 28 lead and ends that streak for baltimore at 24.
2: yeah you know that line was sucker, right? You know, the two yep. theories. You know, winners bet with streaks, losers bet against streaks, so you automatically bet Baltimore. You have to, right? Anyone that bet Washington last night, you could celebrate, but it was a stupid bet. Uh, sometimes stupid bets do win. Um, but then the line was only one, one and a half. And then I saw yeah. it go up to one and a half, and then it dropped down to one again, Ben. I'm like, you know... Something up, boy. They were, just, they were just begging, right? The whole world knew about this streak. You know? so that's all the four-letter network was talking about yesterday, and us as well, and everyone else. So. Why was the line only one one and a half? Although that was a close game, obviously. They had a chance to win. Make one stand, one one stop. And I will say, you know, John Harbaugh, God bless him, he's blitzing on the last drive. You know, preseason yes. meaningless game. And this guy's sending seven, eight guys. So he definitely wanted to win, but the they got in field goal range, unfortunately. Little knuckle ball, but end up going through. Uh so Washington wins, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, Joey Sly, a perfect three for three in the game. And Scott. You're right. There was dramatic line movement. I went and checked around 7 p.m. Eastern time last night, about an hour out from kick on a Monday night in Landover. And when we were speaking yesterday, it was a point and a half spread in favor of the flock. It was around minus 130, minus 135 on the money line in favor of the Ravens. When I checked an hour prior to kick, it was only minus 115 for Baltimore. Everybody was starting to buy back the movement that this would be the time the commanders would end the streak for the Ravens, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't like Washington of course blew them out. It was 29-28. In midway through the fourth quarter, Scott, after an Anthony Brown touchdown toss to start things off in the fourth, the Ravens had a score lead 28-20. And it looked like Anthony Brown after he took off for 24 yards about under 3 minutes remaining, that was going to ice the game. The Ravens could get another first down and that would end it. They went three and out from there. The Commanders forced a punt and then uh, Obviously drove the length of the field to set up the field goal for Joey Sly under 10 seconds remain. But Scott, as we discussed yesterday, when you think about what this streak meant, for the Ravens. John Harbaugh had some poignant things to say after the game about what this streak did exact signify to this franchise. It was important. Harbaugh talked about wanting to win these games, wanting to show a level of results and success even in the preseason, understanding it's not make or break like it does during regular season action, but still trying to stack up those results even early on in camp and even early on in preseason games. Scott, dating back to 2015, September of 2015, we don't even play preseason games anymore in the month of September. That's how long this streak has been going on for the Ravens. So, Scott, when you look back one final time at 24 consecutive preseason wins for Baltimore, the all-time record in the National Football League, and I think probably will stand the test of time, especially now with how devalued the preseason has become, what will you remember most from this streak? Did I bet on them last night and they lost? You
2: know, that, that, that'll be <laughs> Fair it. enough. Uh, but more importantly, right now, I did bet on them a couple times last year, uh, but they are 0-2 against the spread this year. You know, I do find it funny where the Washington players were quoted before the game talking about how the streak is, is, is stupid. In fact, their word, stupid. Uh, their offensive guard uh, mentioned that. Uh, but then they're all reveling, you know. They're all celebrating and, and reveling in, in the fact that they ended up winning the game. So you, know, you can't have it both ways. Either the streak is stupid, so you don't care if you win or lose, or you celebrate after the game because you know the streak really meant something. So. Uh, listen, I think it's a testament to ultimately what we were talking about yesterday. You know, Baltimore is the perennial winners. They have been in this eight-year streak that they've had this uh, you know, 24-game winning streak going. Think about it. This was before they even drafted Lamar Jackson. That's how yeah. long it's been. So I think it's just a testament. To that program, win, 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 um, it doesn't matter if it's a regular season game or a preseason game, you go on the field, you represent yourself, you represent the team, and that's why, as I pointed out yesterday, you know the best head coaches in the NFL, for the most part, all have really good preseason records, and I think there's something to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely so. We talked about that success. The teams that continue to do it in the preseason and the coaches that have been there for a very, very long time. Might the Baltimore Ravens see a new streak begin week number three? The flock ends out their preseason next weekend, Scott, in a game as I'm trying to find the line here that I scroll too quickly. Where is Baltimore in this? Am I missing them? I don't know if I can Uh, see that. Oh, there it is. On the road in Tampa Bay on Saturday evening. The Ravens, just a slight point and a half favorite, minus 125 on that money line. Now might be another time, Scott, to jump back in on Baltimore as a new streak begins. You're not really paying the premium that you were through most of this streak for the Ravens. We'll talk about some further reactions from last night in Landover for both the Ravens and the Commanders, and mainly. Washington's new starting quarterback, Sam Howell, entering his second year, played the entirety of the opening half, and then some big news around the National Football League as it pertains to Indianapolis's running back, Jonathan Taylor. More on Football Full Circle coming your way up next
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: you're listening to football full circle with scott wetzel and ben stevens we're back live right here on FFC. It's football full circle. Week two of the NFL preseason in 2023, now in the books. It ended on a Monday night in Landover, Maryland, between the Commanders and the Ravens, ending the Ravens' 24-game consecutive win streak in preseason action. Last night, though, Scott, one of the bigger stories in terms of what it will mean for the regular season is Washington and putting out Sam Howell, their quarterback, who they named the starter for week number one of the regular season last night for the entirety of the opening half. And frankly, Scott, he looked really really comfortable we only saw sam howell one time last year during the regular season it was in the weird regular season finale after the commanders had been already eliminated from the postseason contention and dallas had pretty much firmly solidified their spot and yet played all their starters week 18 and the commanders pulled off an upset 26 to 6 howell on that day 11 to 19 167 yards and a touchdown and interception last night scott in the opening half 19 of 25 188 yards two touchdown tosses he looked rather comfortable out there against the ravens most of them the reserves but the ravens secondary nonetheless
2: yeah, and a nice little two-minute drive there to close out the first half. We was scrambled around a couple times for 17 yards as well. Listen, he was good at North Carolina, right? I mean, he was throwing a football all over the place, you know, albeit in the ACC. But still, it's not like we, we got a quarterback that, you know, wasn't good in college or came from a real small college. You don't know what you're expecting. I mean, he yeah. should be halfway decent. I'm not sure why he lasted as long as he did in the draft. but. Uh, you know, obviously they liked him. They, they anointed him starter, you know, you know, for the most part, right away. They didn't bring anybody in, point being. So, he, he knew he was eventually going to get the job, not Jacoby Brissett, and, and probably not Jake Fromm. So, so far, so good. You know, they got some talent on that team, you know, with Dotson and McLaren and getting good news out of him. It looks like he's only like turtle so it's not as serious when he left the field last night. Um, you know, the, the the running back core is, is pretty good. It, it, it's all, you know, if Howell ends up being a decent quarterback, that could be a you know, five hundred or even better team. I mean that team was, was challenging for a playoff spot. But all the issues last year, they were still challenging for a playoff spot, you know, entering the yeah. last two weeks of the regular season. So they shouldn't yeah. be as far away as I think people think they are.
1: And then Ron Rivera didn't realize that week 17 in fact yes. works as a de facto <laughs> elimination game. Again, a fireable offense mm-hmm. and I do think Ron Rivera is on quite a hot seat this year if things do not work out with Eric Bieniemy. But it's interesting, Scott, because the Commanders right now have the fourth lowest win total in the NFL. Six and a half is the number for Washington. The under has a fair bit of juice. Expectation even with Bieniemy and some of the talent offensively is not sky high and yet there is some talent there. The defense two years ago when Washington won the division, or three years ago when Washington won the division was the reason why a top five scoring and top ten total defense and they're expected to get Chase Young back for the majority of this season as well, so there can be some things I think if you're a Commanders fan to hang your hat on, it's just the expectations Scott, from the odds, not all that high right now for Washington even under Eric Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator
2: Yeah, you look at the schedule too. As I'm a big buyer in this stuff, even though I know it's you know anything could happen. Tough schedule. You know they have some obviously winnable games, but when you look at some of the other games, they got Buffalo on there. They have obviously Dallas twice, Philadelphia twice, Miami's on there at Seattle, San Francisco's on there. Uh, it, it's not an, at New England, you'd rather have that game at home on their jets if the jets are as good as people think they're on there on the road. So it is a tough, tough I – mean, we were looking at it last night, and we were thinking, boy, let's go over, over. Then you start breaking down their schedule and, you know, possible win, possible win. They would have to kind of pull off with one or two of those upsets. Yeah. Um, you know, beat Miami, beat uh, beat San Francisco, beat Buffalo. You know, one of those – They get a split somehow against Philadelphia. Uh, they even play at Denver, which on the surface, Denver, not that, you know, no big deal, but it's at Denver. It's very, you know, very difficult to win in Denver, right? So yeah, uh, tough, tough schedule even to get to seven and nine, eight or, or, or uh, seven
1: and 10, rather eight and 10, uh, eight and nine. Yeah. And it's all about what that means for Washington this year. Oh, Scott, an update here. As we were just talking about the Baltimore Ravens and their preseason finale, it's kind of. Tough because the weird graphic that the Buccaneers released, but Baker Mayfield has been named the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, a graphic released by the Bucks with very artistic design and fire behind it with time to bake. Baker Mayfield QB number one that happened within the last 45 minutes or so so Scott we were talking about the Ravens and their preseason finale week number three they're only a point and a half favorite on the road in Tampa I thought it might be another time for the Buccaneers to say who was going to be that starting quarterback at the start of the regular season nope the Bucs have named Baker Mayfield Scott their starting quarterback yeah, you know, I actually
2: saw a clip from um, the, the head coach, Todd Bowles, um, before we came on the air. And, yeah. You know, get a chance, man. Watch it. And, and see if you have the same reaction that I have. It, and it was almost like he was – Propping up Kyle Trask, but it was resigned to the fact that Baker Mayfield's going to be our starter. We love Trask; he was able to move around, did a lot of good things. He's a lot better than what he was last year. He's making great improvements, uh, but uh, Baker Mayfield's our starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost kind of made it seem like you know when they signed Baker, they got him on the cheap, only four million dollars. I just wonder if there were some promises made that you know unless you played really lousy or Kyle Trask played really great, you, you know you're going to be our starting quarterback so kind of strange but i did see that story yeah um not really surprised you bring him a guy in number one overall pick so this is probably baker's last go around right i mean as far as being really a starter um got some weapons but yeah they announced that uh, early this morning or or, uh, you know within the past hour that uh, yeah he's going to be the starter
1: i will watch that clip Scott, of Todd Bowles making the announcement. I see a few videos here on my Twitter timeline at the moment. I always thought this was kind of going to be the move for Tampa to start, that Baker Mayfield would be their starter week number one to begin the regular season. But ultimately, I do believe that Kyle Trask will be the starter at year's end because you know what Baker Mayfield is. You know you have a commodity and a sample size in him if he exceeds expectation we have not seen just yet in his National Football League career then it's a different conversation but you don't necessarily know about Kyle Trask who was drafted in the second round Scott that's a pretty premium draft pick the second round back in 2021 to be the presumed heir apparent or at least in consideration for the heir apparent following Tom Brady's tenure in Tampa Bay If Kyle Trask is not your guy, and I think you would need about a six- to eight-game sample size of real regular season action this year for the Buccaneers, then you're going to have to address that in this upcoming quarterback-rich, perhaps, NFL Draft class in 2024 because Scott we talked about it with the Commanders right six and a half the win total for Washington the under has the juice the Buccaneers tied for the second worst win total in the NFL six and a half under juiced at minus 142 alongside the Texans so follow the odds if it is a bad year for the Bucks and they are a five and twelve six and eleven football team somewhere drafting in the top five top ten that's quarterback range Scott to find your future face of the franchise but before you you want to do that you're going to need to know what you have in Kyle Trask again a second round draft pick is nothing to scoff at in the NFL no he wasn't top five no he wasn't first overall or even a first rounder but you made an investment in Kyle Trask who Scott in the second preseason game for the Bucs played the majority of it in New York on Saturday evening 20 of 28 218 yards and a touchdown Looked pretty good out there for the Buccaneers yeah, I don't. I, you know, I, I'm going to
2: correct myself or change my thinking. I don't understand this. You know, because you you bring in a guy Baker. It, it's even if he goes eight and nine or ten and seven, you're going to have to resign him, or you're really going to devote everything to him. Yeah. I would have thought as long as Kyle Trask didn't play horribly in a preseason, he would have gotten the benefit of the doubt. Not not Baker
1: Mayfield. I would have started yeah. Trask. I do still think Kyle Trask will be their starter at the end of the year, and we'll talk about why that might be up next year on Football Full Circle.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: You're listening to Football Full Circle with Scott Wetzel and Ben Stevens. We're back here on FFC. It is Football Full Circle. Breaking news around the National Football League. Baker Mayfield has been named the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Signed this offseason a one-year deal worth about $8 million. He will be the next quarterback for the Bucs following the big shoes that is tom brady of course it wasn't a wildly successful year last year scott for the bucks with tom brady at the helm but they still threw the football more than any other team in the nfl damn near sixty percent sixty eight percent of their plays came through the air that was a year after they threw it sixty six point five percent of the time both years scott by far the most passing play percentages in all of the nfl now baker takes over the reins of that starting unit. And Scott, I did listen to what Todd Bowles had to say. Todd Bowles is not exactly the most emphatic or enthusiastic (laughs) individual at any point. So it is tough to read between the lines just a tad, but it did make it seem like, Scott, they were okay and comfortable was the word he used with Baker Mayfield. I think that is fair. I think they understand what they are maligned to at this moment. But what the year might hold after the first few weeks could look very different in Tampa Bay if they are not winning football games. And when you look at their regular season opener, Scott, on the road in Minnesota, three weeks from or two weeks from Sunday, rather, well, it makes sense. They're a six and a half point underdog. Not much is expected of the Bucks this season.
2: Yeah, you know, and you can't help but look at that schedule and see the bye week at week number five. You know, so how many games is it going to take before we say, okay, it's Kyle Trask's team, right? Open up, as you say, at Minnesota. Got Chicago. uh, That's a winnable game at home. Um, I even think maybe Minnesota, even though I think they're going to be halfway decent, I don't think they think they're going to be in all of that team. Philadelphia at home might be tough. At New Orleans, you know, they go one and three, Ben. Would that would that be it? I do like it. I thought it was kind of funny where he said Baker Mayfield is our starting quarterback right now. You know, he, he threw yeah. in the right now. You don't generally do that, right, if you're really committed to a guy. Um, I'm just a little surprised, now that I think about it more and more, that, you know, listen, you, you bring the guy a one year deal, even if they go two and two, he he stays the starting quarterback, right? I mean, three and three, you know, where do you draw the line? And then what's the point like i said before if you go eight and nine nine and eight you know a ten and seven so what do you do then re-sign baker next next year is on a one-year contract you just you know use the second round pick as you pointed out correctly you know that's not jump change second round pick i mean you just all of a sudden just throw out kyle trask and, and then commit to baker it's kind of like you're in a no-win situation. I, I don't, you know, you want to hand a one-and-three, one-and-four, zero-and-four one football team to a rookie or a second-year quarterback. I mean, I don't think you really want to do that. So I, I would have started Trask. He showed he has some ability, even in the first game when he had uh, thrown in there when Wofford got hurt. He was six of nine for 99 yards, and then yeah. the over 200 yards the other day. I mean, it's not like he's he's in, you no know, saying he can't play. So. I don't know. Like I said, unless there were some promises made, you know, Baker, you sign here, you're going to get the first opportunity, you know, unless things go really crazy in the preseason. Um, You know, unless that was the case, then I don't know why Baker would be starting right really.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, Scott. We talked about it for the three rookie quarterbacks that we expect to start that were all top four selections in 2023 this past April in Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, who has not officially been named the starter just yet, and Anthony Richardson. When you are selected that high up, you are not given the time to learn at this next level. You're often inserted right away as the starting quarterback. But you could look last year at what the Steelers did with Kenny Pickett. Of course, the 20th overall selection in 2022. They let Mitch Trubisky go out there for the first few weeks. He struggled, Kenny came in, he took over the job, he rallied this team to be in postseason consideration, winning six of their final eight and a winning record once again in year number 15, or year number 16, rather, under Mike Tomlin. I guess, Scott, if expectation is not high for your organization, is there a detriment, although no player or coach would ever admit, hey, we're okay with a 1-3 and three start. They're trying to go out there and be a perfect 4-0. Is it okay, though, in a way to look at what you have on the slate, look at what you have internally in your roster, and have an understanding, Scott, that if this year you're hovering around a 5- or 6-win team, better to give Kyle Trask an opportunity where he can build things up from a confidence perspective as opposed to start from the jump, they struggle, they're one and three out the gates. Okay, we don't have anything with Kyle Trask. We go to Baker. We might not have anything with Baker. All right, this year is in a tailspin. It's all about 2024 and beyond. That still might be the case, frankly, right? Baker could come in, struggle. Kyle Trask could be inserted as the starter midway through October, struggle. You're like, all right, Todd Bowles is gone. He's not our head coach. We're rebuilding from the ground up with an early draft pick in 2024. There are no guarantees either model that you select to move forward. But it's just, I think, Scott, the expectation of, all right, we give Baker a shot. Unless he really proves that he is somewhere different than we thought he was as we brought him in, we're going to give Kyle Trask his run as a starter as well midway through October, the final eight, nine, ten games of the year. And if he is something, it changes our evaluation moving forward. If he's not, we're getting ready for 2024. I'm sure there's the organizational workings that all play a part in this as well.
2: Yeah, I break it down, better into three sections. Right, seventeen games, six, six, and five, or you know, throw a five in yeah. there somewhere. Give the first guy five games, six games. He fails. All right, then we bring in the second guy, Trask, in this case. You know, if he fails, then we bring back the third guy, which is the original guy. So to me, the original guy should be the guy that gets two opportunities, and that should be Kyle Trask, not. You know, Baker Mayfield. You you don't want to give Baker two opportunities to win football games, as goofy as that sounds, right? You want to make sure, okay, we've given Kyle Trask two opportunities now this year to be the man, and he failed, so let's move on. So now it's set up, I think, for Baker to fail, Trask to fail, and then we go back to Baker, or do we let Trask fail for 12 games? I don't think you really want to do that. Football season is a long year now, 17 games. Um, So I I just would have done it the other way. I would would have given Trask the, the first opportunity, not Baker.
1: Yeah. Uh, and Listen, I would agree. And Kyle Trask, again, has not struggled in this preseason. In fact, he's looked pretty right. darn good and certainly did in the Buccaneers' win on Saturday night in New York against the Jets, or rather New Jersey and East Rutherford. But again, 20 of 28, 218 yards and a touchdown, and the Buccaneers got a victory. Scott, we talked about Sam Howell to start the show I think Ron Rivera is very much on the hot seat we are talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers currently starting Baker Mayfield but maybe in a quarterback abyss depending on what Kyle Trask does or does not do this season I think Todd Bowles is very much on the hot seat I think you could see these two veteran coaches Scott maybe looking for new jobs or different opportunities at the end of this year they're probably the two coaches I would put on the hottest of seats entering 2023.
2: Yeah, I think there are a number of them, but those two in particular, maybe that's why uh, that, that uh, Bowles is saying, you know what, let me go with the veteran guy. Uh, I got to win some football games here because if, if not, then we're in a lot of trouble and Kyle Trask can show all the improvement in the world. But if we don't win, I'm not going to be here, you know, in year number three of this thing. So maybe that plays a role uh, in this little job security. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's not a daunting schedule. But there's no, like, great, like, three-game board. Those are three easy games. Let's pencil in the rookie there or the second-year guy there. And it's, it's kind of a balanced little schedule. But they have yeah. – both those guys have to win.
1: Yeah. Last year, the Steelers, as they kept Kenny Pickett on the bench, the start of their year, their first five or six games, was a very difficult gauntlet. Not the case really for Tampa Bay. On the road at Minnesota, yeah, they're starting on the road against a playoff team and a 13-win team from a season ago, but we all have our thoughts on the Vikings. Then they get the Bears and the Eagles in two consecutive games at home. It's going to be tough against Philly, and then a divisional game on the road in New Orleans. I mean, Scott, if you said 2-2, two and two, even 3-1 and one in that four-game Stretch, I would be surprised, but maybe not utterly shocked. That's the start for the Buccaneers this year. But, Scott, before we got to the end of week two of the preseason yesterday, we had some big news around the NFL. The Indianapolis Colts have given Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade. The embattled running back who has been in a contract dispute all offseason, into camp, into preseason football now for Indianapolis, who has been on the pup list. He has been been given time to be away from camp to rehab his ankle. Scott, the Colts have given him and his representation now the possibility and the. to seek a trade. What ultimately, Scott, do you think is the conclusion between JT and Indy? Why would anybody trade for him? I, I think he's going
2: to ultimately be an Indianapolis Colt, right? I mean, every team out there could have gotten Dalvin Cook for free. Now, I get it. Cook is older, got some injuries, as Taylor does, uh, but they were probably, you know, and Taylor's probably asking for monster, monster salary, but I get a feeling Dalvin Cook was as well, so I don't know why any team would give up, you know, a number one draft choice or a couple of number twos even when, you know, they could have had Dalvin Cook for free, so I, I, I doubt that he's going to get moved, um, and, you know. He did fail a physical. You know, I know how these injuries all about it. You know, all of a sudden can get healthy. You know, when, when you're traded and you're in a happy situation, but he actually failed the physical when he reported the training camp. So there's something going on with that ankle injury. So I, I, if I'm a team that's you know showing some interest, one, I, I know I got to pay this guy you know 10, 12, 13, $14 dollars a year because that's what he's asking for. And two, I got to worry about his ankle. Uh, and three, I got to give up a, a number one draft choice. Eh chances of that happening, I think, are very remote. I think this is a good way for the Colts to say, alright, you're not happy with us? Go ahead. Go go find a trade partner. We'll, we'll yeah. trade you, knowing full well that uh, it's almost impossible to find
1: a partner in this. It's the running back value conversation once again, but now just from a different perspective. What would a second-round draft pick entering year number four, Garner in the trade market, where Indy would have to get some return for him, Scott? They're not going to let him walk four crumbs. We'll continue to break that down up next what is the future in indianapolis for jonathan taylor that's next on ffc
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: you're listening to football full circle with scott wetzel and ben stevens we are back live right here on FFC. It is football full circle, all a part of the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius XM Channel 159. He's Scott Wetzel. I am Ben Stevens and Scott. News around the National Football League yesterday is training camp is coming at least to the tail end. We have one more week of preseason football. We're 16 days away from the NFL regular season debut in 2023 on a Thursday night in kansas city two weeks from thursday that big news yesterday scott jonathan taylor given permission by the indianapolis colts to seek a trade around the nfl there is reported interest but the colts are not going to let jt just walk for a sixth round draft pick and say good riddance go get your contract somewhere else they're going to need a return but they're not going to get a first round pick scott for jt in return at least in my estimation he's a second round draft pick three years ago in 2020 about to enter year number four the final year of his rookie deal which is why he is looking for a new long-term contract extension with indy but at this point has failed to receive it so scott what might a team give up for jonathan taylor i think that's the question right now around the league and then what might indianapolis accept in return if a trade package even becomes available
2: yeah you know it's usually one or the other it's rarely both in that A team is usually okay to give up draft choices or whatever to go get the player. Uh, but they don't want to have to re-sign them, you know, you, you, or they, you know, they, they get the guy on the cheap um, because the team just wants to get rid of him, But they're willing to give them a long-term contract because they didn't give up that much. It's rare when you give up a lot and then have to re-sign them. As I was saying before, I mean, think about last year, Christian McCaffrey. You know, uh, traded from Carolina to San Francisco. San Fran didn't have to give up a number one. Now they gave up a number two, a number three, and a number four. For this upcoming year, and then a number five in the following year. So they gave up four choices. Are you going to give up that? We'll just say for Jonathan Taylor, right, similar player, and then have to then re-sign him because you're going to have to re-sign him, right? That that's his whole beef with Indianapolis, and and you know he's going to be asking for Christian McCaffrey type money. So you're looking at twelve to fourteen million dollars a year. That that's just a lot, Ben. Like I said, I mean, you you might get a team that just wants to you know add a little something to the franchise, but but. I don't think that's going to happen realistically. And I think the Colts know that. Um, And I think they just, you know, are trying to put the don't blame us Colt fans, blame Jonathan Taylor. But we're telling them that, you know, we're willing to move them, but no one's willing to pay them and do what they need to do to get them. So, you know, Jonathan, maybe this is an eye opener for you as well.
1: Listen, it is a fine line of leverage in these contract disputes and now in this trade conversation. Because if you test the market and there's not much of a market, You are pretty much inclined to take what India is offering. And while we might disagree or agree, Scott, with how the running back position is valued right now, it's hard to argue the team perspective just from the dollars and cents of it all. Here is where Jonathan Taylor stands. He is entering year number four. It's the final year of his rookie contract. That means that at the end of this season, Indianapolis can franchise tag him, for the going rate for a running back probably somewhere around 10 million dollars and then entering 2025 Scott after next year they can tag him again they can keep him under contract which he is right now including 2023 for three more seasons and that's incredibly valuable for Indianapolis now there's respect there's recognition there's admiration for what you have meant for a franchise where Jonathan Taylor, probably rightfully so, Scott, believes he is worth more than $10 million because he was the league's leading rusher in 2021. And yes, he was banged up slightly last year in 2022, but in 2021, over 1,800 yards, 18 rushing scores, both of that top of the league in the NFL in 2021. And you would think... Just from an organizational perspective, looking at the X's and O's, in terms of grooming Anthony Richardson now as your starting quarterback, who better to pair alongside a rookie QB than Jonathan Taylor to be that safety valve for Anthony Richardson to develop at this next level and at this new stop? But, Scott, from the logistical perspective, Jonathan Taylor finds himself in a precarious situation if Indianapolis is not going to offer a long-term contract extension. And we have not seen an NFL organization sign a running back to a long-term contract extension worth more than $10 million per year annually since Cleveland did so with Nick Chubb now over two years ago. Uh, You know, and and, uh, don't confuse
2: this also with – Um, you know, uh, Saquon Barkley, right? And, right, and and Jacobs out in the Raiders. You know, he's not under a franchise tag, so he's not set to make you know 10 million dollars. You know, he is only going to make four million dollars, and that's the other thing. You know, right. he has to realize that the shelf life of a running back it's it's not long. We we we've seen that so many times. So he doesn't want to have to play this year, maybe get hurt again, and maybe not get that big uh, contract, no matter what it is after this upcoming season, even if it is just a franchise tag. I mean, he, he wants to strike while the iron is hot as much as possible. That's why, Ben, I... I know they, they want to sign these quarterbacks and, and, and everybody early and you want to do the right thing with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow but I can't help but think there's a faction of NFL owners that just cringe every time a team gives a guy a contract extension when they really don't have to because they know ultimately that's <laughs> going to get thrown back in their faces right yeah. I mean some really. teams are willing to do it but you, you really don't have to and, and to me you really shouldn't but you know I no doubt this this is, uh, you know, part of the role of Jonathan Taylor. Hey, the, all these teams are giving their guys contract extensions when they don't have to. Why why can't you do it, Mr.
1: Mercy? Yeah, certainly so. Scott, the NFL is an interesting organization, right? A lot of focus, or focus is pointed on Roger Goodell, but really, he's a figurehead. Really, he's a scapegoat at worst at times as the commissioner. He makes it crap ton of money, so he can be under the microscope, but he's just the pawn of the 32 NFL owners that really dictate much of how this league functions, certainly from a contract perspective. I'm not sure, Scott, there was a single owner happy with the Haslam family when they guaranteed Deshaun Watson a five-year, $230 million deal, because that sets a precedent. That sets what people can now ask for, regardless if you're willing to pay it or not it gives people a standard to point and look at and it is a piece of leverage certainly utilized in that tool from the representation perspective representation perspective so no doubt Jonathan Taylor's looking at Nick Chubb and saying that guy never did what I did in 2021 he's never run for over 1800 yards i don't mean to disparage Nick Chubb I'd actually have to check the stats to make sure what i am saying here is factually accurate but just in terms of the idea of you can keep me here one of the prized pieces of your offense in the last three seasons, who can only help you get back to the level that you expect to be for the next three to four years by making me a little bit happy, by giving me $11 million a year. And they're saying, no, that doesn't behoove us, Jonathan. We're paying you four mil this year. We'll probably pay you 10 mil next year, 10 mil the year after that, because for whatever reason and I think we know the reason the franchise tag value on the running back position is the only one in the National Football League that has decreased in the last five years and is trending that way continuously based on average annual salary value of the running back position in the National Football League, where right now, Scott, it doesn't really benefit. Whether you agree or not, not it doesn't benefit an organization to pay a running back for a long-term contract extension. You might value, you might like, you might respect your team's running back, but organizationally, certainly from ownership perspective, and we have heard Jim Ursay be vocal about this, it does not benefit them to spend money on a running back at this moment. What that means for the actual X's and O's and the wins and losses for Indy is a different conversation, but from the dollar signs behind it, it doesn't benefit an organization.
2: Yeah, you just you just don't have to. It it sounds uh, you know sad to say, but these guys can be replaced, and the difference between a Jonathan Taylor and a, and a backup running back in the NFL is not nearly as much as the difference between a Justin Jefferson wide receiver and a backup wide receiver, or the quarterback position, or the star defensive lineman. Right? It just just isn't. So now there are other cases. You know, the Colts they, they need to give their fans though, a reason to show up. Right? right? It's not like they have a whole bunch of superstars. That okay the fans are say we're going to go to the games anyway um, you know this team is in a bit of a transition not that long ago challenging for you know playoff spots, Super Bowl really um, and now they're you know kind of going in a different direction so they do need to you would think this would be the year where the Colts would say okay let's we, you know, we'll bite the bullet here and let's bring in the you know the face of the franchise and Jonathan Taylor just so the fans have a little bit of hope and a reason to go to the ballparks versus we're a good team and we can replace you Jonathan with somebody else so i can see both sides of it technically you don't have to pay them but you know technically you don't have to win in the nfl either you know you could stay yeah. 500 or less and there's no law against that you, you it's the teams that want to win right that's been my biggest argument with the packers over the years uh, that to me they've never wanted to win they never went that extra mother bring in that wide receiver draft the wide receiver you know, It was always status quo and then hopefully aaron Rodgers will win us a super bowl somewhere along the line so you be that way and that's what you're gonna be you know it's the teams that really try and want to win that do win
1: yeah absolutely so and Scott I think that's one of the conversations that are tied that is tied in to this contract dispute and situation in Indianapolis for Jonathan Taylor last year at this time, at this time, Indianapolis had a win total of 9.5. The over had the juice, and they were a minus 170 favorite to win the AFC South. It feels like a very long time ago for a 4-12-1 team in 2022, but at this time, that was expectation. A playoff team and a good one in 2020 under Frank Reich, a team that squandered its postseason chances in 2021 because Carson Wentz was their quarterback. They needed one win in their final two games, and they were Booked as at least a touchdown favorite in both. I'll never never forgive Carson Wentz for what he did to Indianapolis that year. And last year, Scott, an odds-on favorite with a veteran steady presence in Matt Ryan with a talented roster around him just never obviously lived up to expectation. They bring in Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach. The story will be written in 2022 about the Colts. But to see where they are now, a rookie head coach in Shane Steichen, a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson, and now this contract dispute where their win total is six and a half. And the over has a slight bit of juice at minus 118. But from nine and a half in an odds-on divisional favorite to six and a half and not expected to even sniff the postseason in a competitive AFC, you would think that's fuel to the fire for Jonathan Taylor, but it's just all part of the conversation right now in Indy. Yeah.
2: You know, you, you, you do. We, we, we talk about this all the time, but you just go back to that 2021 season, right? You yeah. think how things change. Just win one of the two games, Las Vegas at home. And oh. Jacksonville, which was horrible, just horrible on the road. Just when one of the two Wentz is probably still the quarterback. Reich is still probably the head coach. Jonathan Taylor's probably getting paid. I mean, just the whole fortunes of the franchise just stay and they change. changed how we want to view it. Just stay the same. Yeah. Instead, just complete turmoil from that point on. Just complete. It really is a big yeah. one just one win against you know, really the worst team in the NFL at that point, Jacksonville. They couldn't get it done. By far,
1: by far, by far the worst team in a – National Football League in 2021, because let's not forget they fired Urban Meyer after 13 games. They were a 15 and a half point favorite for the regular season finales. Got on the road in Duval County, only needing a win, just a single win, and they clinch a postseason berth. And they lost by two touchdowns, 30 to 16. It's why Jacksonville has been a house of horrors for Indianapolis. They have dropped seven straight touchdowns. Games in Duval County against the Jags. It's one of the weird AFC South divisional rivalries and streaks that we see, and it's the Texans and the Titans, too, that have this weird dynamic as well. There's some weird things that happen in the AFC South, without a doubt. A few more minutes on Football Full Circle to continue breaking things down. Up next
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: you're listening to football full circle with scott wetzel and ben stevens we are live here for just a few more minutes on FFC. It is football full circle, all a part of the Sports Grid radio network. So, Scott, a busy day around the National Football League. as week number two of the NFL preseason. Came to a close last week. Night, We talked about Jonathan Taylor, his contract dispute with Indianapolis, the Colts see- giving him permission to seek a trade. Baker Mayfield named the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Jackson Smith in Jigba, the rookie wide receiver out for the Seattle Seahawks, got out of Ohio State, flashed in the Seahawks' preseason victory against Dallas earlier this weekend on a big play that was one of the reasons people were high on JSN he actually broke a bone in his wrist he is having surgery in Philadelphia to fix that ailment Scott they hope he is ready for the start of the regular season but for a guy that missed all of 2022 in college football pretty much for Ohio State not what you wanted to see for JSN to start his NFL career
2: Yeah, that would really be something disappointing, right? I mean, geez, uh, this poor guy, if he didn't have uh, bad luck, he wouldn't have any, as the saying goes. So, a lot of injuries. Watching these preseason games this weekend, boy, there there were more and more guys getting carted off the field and injured. I'm a big preseason, you should play. But when you see these injuries – Right, but I just kind of write it off as if you're going to get injured, you're going to get injured. You get injured walking out of the bathtub, but uh, that that would be disappointing news. You know, two things real quickly: one, you got yep. the uh, Stefan Diggs again denying reports that he wants out of Buffalo. I'm a big believer where there's smoke, there's fire. That story is not going away. And uh, just a funny little thing: Rob Gronkowski, uh, Brian Dable, they're good buddies, and there was a little buzz about uh, Gronk coming out of retirement and joining the Giants. And, and Dable said no to that. That smoke, I don't believe, but the other smoke in Buffalo, I do. <laughs>
1: Rob Gronkowski, like Tom Brady, as long as they are appearing in commercials, yep. there's going to be some rumors about them playing in the National Football League. He's Scott Wetzel. I am Ben Stevens. That does it for Football Full Circle today on Sports Grid Radio. Keep it tuned in right here. The money line is up next.